Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. to just pray over the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask you if you'll join me in a few minutes in the book of Acts chapter 8. It's a very familiar passage of scripture, but let's just pray over the word tonight. Amen. Let him touch this word and touch our hearts in Jesus name. We love you this evening, God, and we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. God, we're asking you tonight. To let the power of the Holy Ghost that started well before the service time begin tonight. I'm asking you, Lord, to let that same power, that same authority, that same unction, let it continue to flow this evening in this service. We're going to intentionally warm our hands and our hearts around your word. Oh God, we're going to be intentional this evening to talk about it. And to ask you to strengthen and empower and impart this word into our heart and our mind. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. And you can be seated in the book of Acts chapter number 8. I'm not going to read all of these verses tonight, but it's a familiar story. Beginning in verse number 26, actually throughout, uh, down about verse 39 or so. The story of what... We've come to know as the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip the evangelist um, that God divinely set up an appointment. Two men whom God just divinely connected. Amen. Have you ever felt divinely connected? Just God moments where the spirit of the Lord you knew. It was nothing less than something that was orchestrated by the hand of God. There was absolutely no way. You would have been where you were. They would have been where they were. And God just brought us together. And so in that light or to that end, we can recognize this. A very familiar passage of scripture. But I want to just go to verse number 35. And that scripture I'll read. The Bible says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him or preached unto him Jesus. And so from this verse, I want to just simply take my title and I want to preach to you tonight something I just felt very impressed of the Lord today. I just want to preach simply Jesus, just simply Jesus. And so everything that we offer, whatever we say, whatever we do, we cannot fix anything in the life of a person. There's nothing we could do. We've got some wonderful people some great thinkers, great planners, great organizers, very talented people that we are blessed with in our church. But there is nothing we could orchestrate on our own that could really change the eternal destiny of a person. We can befriend them and encourage them and we can be that conduit through which the spirit of the Lord can flow. But ultimately, if anything good happens, certainly of, of eternal consequence, 
It's just going to be simply Jesus. It'll be him. Uh, nothing we can do, nothing we could really take credit for. The story of, this, of these men begins in Acts 8 and, and 5. And really it begins with Philip, a man mightily used of God in a tremendous revival in Samaria. And right in the midst of that revival, I want to just pause here and say tonight, I understand my audience and I get that you know this story. But don't be so familiar with it that you think you already have it. Amen. I believe that God can touch us and he wants to touch us tonight with a fresh anointing and let his spirit and presence just unveil and just peel back one more layer of a beautiful story. But Philip, an evangelist, was in a tremendous revival in Samaria. And in the midst of that revival, the spirit of the Lord spoke to him and unctioned him to arise and leave this glorious outpouring and go down to Gaza. And um, it's this place of Gaza was a desert place. It was a barren place. But nevertheless, I'm impressed in my heart that Philip did not seemingly argue with the Lord about this. But in obedience, he just got up and left where he felt like he was being mightily used of God to go to a place of barrenness, a place of dryness. Amen. I believe that it's entirely possible. I try to put myself in the skin sometimes of these Bible characters. I know sometimes we have them holy, high, and lifted up, and that's all right. But I believe they were every bit as much of flesh as you and I. I believe that doubt lived next door to them just like it lives next door to us. Amen. I believe that fear was no further from them than it is from us at times. And so here is this man, this man Philip, that somehow now the noise of the crowd and the noise and the, of the power and the authority of a mighty revival in Samaria has been muted by the will of God. Muted by the will of God. Perhaps as he stood by that highway side in Gaza, he wondered why. Why, Lord, would you take me away from Samaria? And why would you bring me to such a lonely place? Well, if I wanted to get real personal tonight, I could just ask you if God has ever taken you to a lonely place. Because he's taken me to a lonely place more than one time. Amen. In that lonely place, God can really get real with us and we can get real with God. Amen. However, I don't know if Philip had doubt. I don't want to press something on him he didn't wasn't guilty of. But if he had doubt, I don't know how long that was going to last or how long it did last. But Philip, in, in fact, and indeed was about to realize what God was doing. There's a purpose. God doesn't just move us to move us. God doesn't just do things in our lives. I've often said that our walk with God is much like pawns on a chessboard. And pardon me if that offends you, but we are only here because God is trying to get us there. And when we get there, we're only going to be there because God is trying to get us somewhere else. And so wherever we are, we don't need to drive our tent stakes down too deep. I'm not talking about that physically, but I'm talking about spiritually because God is wanting to transition us because the Spirit of the Lord moved in Genesis 1, 
because His Spirit is dynamic and not static and the kingdom of God is dynamic and not static. And so when God moved in Genesis 1, He's never stopped moving. And so if you want to get out of the will of God, just stop moving because the Spirit of the Lord is going to blow and it's going to move and it's going to, it's going to urge us and unction us and I want to be susceptible to that wind. Amen. So Philip's experience, I believe, ought to encourage us in our own personal journey to witness for God because I believe that we all ought to be a witness for the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm not talking about just a physical sign of what the Lord can do, but I believe the Word of God the will of God and the hope of God ought to be found in our mouth. Amen. There ought to be something in our heart that can direct us to direct others toward the cross. Amen. To begin with, God directed Philip to the right person at the right time. And I think that is important for us to understand. So while you and I may not have a physical angelic visitation, I'm certainly not saying that's impossible, but... But while you and I may not have a physical, personal visitation from an angel to instruct us, we do have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we have that Spirit of the Lord in us, and that power, that in, that power in us has the power to lead us, it has the power to guide us, and it has the power to direct our path in life. And so I, do, I don't believe, if I, I try to pray every day for the Lord to order my steps. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I don't know what the day holds. And so I want you to order my steps. I don't know who I'm going to meet in the course of this day. Sometimes I know who I plan to meet, but I don't know who God is going to put in my life and intersect in my life. And so I want to pray, Lord, order my steps in your word. And just order my ways and help me to walk circumspectly. Help me to walk carefully, but help me to walk courageously. Amen. And so if we're going to walk in the Spirit and praying for God's direction, then the Lord can and He will direct us. So in time, he saw a man in a chariot. And so as Philip drew near the chariot, he heard this man reading the writings or reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so it was customary in that day, I think it's important to understand, that it was customary in that day for people when they read the word of the Lord to read it out loud because Bibles weren't Bibles then. They were just scrolls and they were just writings. And so every person didn't have a copy. And so he drew near him and the Bible says he heard him. He heard him reading the word of the Lord. Amen. I think that's something that should never be lost to us is the fact that God not only moved in the heart and the life of Philip and brought him from Samaria to Gaza, but God always works on both ends. Always works on both sides of the equation. And so if you feel an unction in your heart, I can assure you that if we're walking in the will of God, just like God had prepared the heart of Philip, God had also prepared the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch. Amen. So if we obey his leading, then God is going to go before us. Amen. And he will open those doors and it will give us the ability to be a witness for him. Now this was not just an ordinary man. According to this passage, the Bible says that he was the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. And so this was not an everyday man. This was not your average man. This was not just old Joe sitting in the corner. Amen. Amen. He was a man that had influence. 
He was a man that had position and authority in the queen's, in the queen's world. However, we are reminded that he was a eunuch. And I don't want to be crass here tonight, but we can sometimes read past this and even give him uh, th- this title, the Ethiopian eunuch. We, we often refer to that as that and not realize the magnitude of this horrible life sentence that has been imposed upon an innocent man because of the decision of someone else. Amen. This, the fact that he was a eunuch was an ever-present curse. This is not a sentence for the next five years. This is not something you're going to have to endure for the next ten years. But this is a lifetime sentence. This man was a victim. And I don't use that word carelessly. But this man was a victim of a very vicious and a very terrible, horrible, unthinkable system. And because he was a eunuch, because he was a eunuch, he had no hope of having a family. He had no hope of posterity. Amen. There was no hope for the future. But somewhere in the life of what we may call a destitute man, he found a ray of hope in God. Amen. Somehow the things that he could look across the way and and see husbands and wives and children and families as they went about. He understood one thing. That will never be me. This will never happen in my lifetime because life has taken me down a different path. But in spite of his barrenness, God loved him and God pitied him. Amen. And God's grace and mercy came alongside him. I believe that we must see this Ethiopian eunuch as a type of the world's condition in which we live today. Because I believe that all around us, everywhere, present, every day, not just a few days a week, not just a few days out of the month, but I believe everywhere present around us, there are people that we meet, that we rub shoulders with. Perhaps they're related to us or we're friends with them, but they are trapped in a dry and a desert place. Amen. They have been robbed of hope. They've been robbed of a future. They have been robbed of posterity because sin has emasculated them and left them with no hope and left them with no future. But I'm going to tell you if they got the Holy, if they got somebody in their life that's filled with the Holy Ghost, I believe that we ought to feel a pressing in our spirit, an obligation to the kingdom, and an obligation to their eternal destination. Hallelujah. Amen to say I'm going to share something with you and what I have to share with you is powerful but it's just simply Jesus because it's him and he crucified amen God had said I'm going to put something there's things that life has taken away from you but I'm about to bring somebody in your life that's going to give you the ability to be changed a change agent it would seem as this man had nothing to live for but somehow in that regard but somehow God put something in his heart. There had to be a thirst. There had to be a hunger spiritually because the Bible says in chapter 8 and verse 27 that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Amen. And now he's coming back from the house of worship. There was a hunger in his life. The Bible says in verse 28 he's returning home from this time of worship. And on his way home, God had a man by the name of Philip Philip the evangelist that he put right in his path. Perhaps while he was in Jerusalem, 
He found, bought, purchased, or bartered for this scroll of Isaiah sitting in his chariot. He's reading over this scroll. He had come to what we know as, or what we would recognize as the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. Of course, it wasn't that way in this moment, but that's what we know it as today. And so he was reading from Isaiah 53, the part of the prophecy of the suffering Savior, amen, who for his, for our sins rather, gave himself. And while he was reading that prophecy, while he was reading this out loud, Philip came up to him in verse number 30 and he asked him, he said, do you understand what it is that you're reading? Uh, again, I realize that you understand the story, but in verse number 34, he said, is this the one that bore our iniquities? Amen. Is he, or, or is he talking about somebody else? I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time untangling this passage in my mind. In verse number 31, he asked Philip to come up into the chariot and sit beside him. I believe that people will make a way and, and make room in their life for us if we will approach them in the right way and if we'll approach them in the right spirit. Do you understand what it is that you're reading? He said, come sit up here with me and help me untangle this. I believe that there's a lot of people in this world. I believe a lot of people in this world and especially in this hour that are hungry for somebody to expound on the word of God. I realize that a lot of people are familiar with church and they know what a church building looks like and they know a lot of the trappings of what church may be or Christendom may be, but I believe there are people that are hungry for the depths of a true experience with God. I'm not talking about, again, I'm, I'm trying hard not to get ahead of myself, but I'm not talking about just a prosperity message or a name it and claim it or blab it and grab it, but I'm talking about the power of God that can take a person's life and turn them around. Amen. I'm talking about a power like the man that stood behind this desk the last time we were gathered in this very building. Amen. Brother Yader, whose life has so obviously been touched by the Lord, magnificently moved and upon his life and his spirit and his mind. Now, who is not just traveling in the nation of America to spread the gospel, but around the world. Hallelujah. What God can do. This is what God can do. Amen. The Bible says in verse number 35, and this is where our text comes from, that Philip began at that same scripture, that same 53rd chapter, that same 53rd Isaiah uh, area and the Bible says he preached unto him Jesus. Amen. I just want to talk about this evening simply Jesus. It's just Jesus. Somebody said you guys are Jesus only. You're wrong about that. We're Jesus everything. Amen. He is our healer. He's our deliverer. Amen. God, amen. He can do something mighty in our heart and in our lives when we need that. But I'm going to tell you that also Jesus can be a friend. He can be a counselor. He can be a comforter. He can put his arm around us. He can mightily move, amen, upon the life of somebody and raise them up out of their affliction, whatever it may be. Or he can just put his hand on our shoulder. He can just wrap his arms around us. We have felt his presence while we've been praying. I'm telling you that Jesus really can fix whatever is going on in our heart, in our life. Simply Jesus. Although the New Testament, as we know it today, or as we know it now, did not exist as a, as a body, so to speak, at that time, 
They had a collection of scriptures, the law and the prophet, what we may refer to as the old time, and so as the Old Testament rather. And, and Philip obviously had this, but Philip also had the teachings of Jesus. And so while it may not have been all put together and divided up into books and the chapters like we have it and bound with leather covers, Jesus or Philip had all of this at his disposal and he began to preach to him. I believe that this was significant for the first generation of the early church and this is how they taught doctrine this is how they taught the theology of the Lord and so I believe tonight that we preach is important certainly that is important but I believe what we preach is even more important amen what we preach is vitally important I mentioned brother Yader I was thinking about just over the last few days amen how this man and his family I begin to think about and, and, and we're supporting them by the way thank you for your monthly support and we're going to support their ministry and their and their work not only here but around around the globe we're supporting their ministry and the ministries of several other ministries missionaries that we are uh, connected with through our church not only just global missions but our, our North American missionaries those that are planning churches in our state and around our nation and around the world amen we're doing this because we have confidence in the gospel that they are preaching we're not supporting them monthly, amen, because they are preaching. Or we're, not, we're not supporting them that they are preaching. We're supporting them because of what they're preaching. Hallelujah. We're not just saying, well, he looks like a good guy. I mean, they look talented. They, they got the part. Amen. They, we are supporting them because we know that they didn't just come stand behind this desk to tell us something that would convince us. Amen. But there was something convincing in their heart. They have been in the presence of Jesus and I believe they're preaching the same thing there that they're preaching right here and that is Jesus. Every preacher ought to be preaching the gospel. Amen. when we listen to somebody stand in a pulpit and that they are preaching the gospel, amen, that sounds like almost a cliche. What do we mean when we say that? I'm gonna tell you that I believe that when we come to the desk, we ought to be preaching and we ought to be preaching Jesus. Amen, I know there's a lot of things going on in our world, but Jesus can take care of that. I know there's a lot of things going on in the spirit realm and Jesus can take care of that. That's the only thing that'll save a soul. That is the only thing that can pull somebody out of the depths of sin. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Amen. That's who changed my life and that's who changed your life. Just simply Jesus. When I think about all that goes on under the pretense of preaching or the pretense of church, it grieves me. I mentioned a moment ago just uh, prosperity gospels and, and all the things that go on under the umbrella of church. And there's no preaching of the cross. There's no preaching of the truth. Amen. The gospel message of the cross, that's what will transform somebody's life. That's what will change them. We have no holy vials of water to sell you tonight. Amen. We have no scarlet thread that if you'll give us $100, we'll send that home with you. Or we have no green piece of string. If you'll give us $1,000, you can hang this in your over your mirror in your car and God will bless you. No, no, no. But I tell you what we can give you tonight. I can give you Jesus and him crucified. I 
I can give you Jesus, a babe born in a manger. I can preach to you Jesus, a man, a man that when he was 12 years old was confounding the wise. I can give you a man, a sandal-footed man who was raised in a carpenter's home. I can give you Jesus who went about doing good. I can give you Jesus who would open blinded eyes and deaf ears. And I can give you Jesus who could reach into a casket and pull them out. I can preach to you Jesus, a man who went to a garden of Gethsemane and in his flesh he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I can give you a Jesus who stood before Pilate and even though Pilate tried to wash all the blood off of his hands, hallelujah, it was not enough. I can give you Jesus who was pierced in his side. I can preach to you Jesus who wore a crown of thorns. I can preach to you Jesus who took stripes on his back. I can preach to you Jesus, amen, who was hung on a cruel cross and gave his life. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. Amen. I can give you Jesus who said, like Jonah was in the belly of a whale, I will be there three days, but I'm going to come again. Hallelujah. I can give you Jesus who talked to Mary and Martha in the garden. I can preach to you Jesus who came to the disciples. I can preach to you Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, let's get him out of the Bible. I can give you Jesus who walked into Wayne Williams' life one night and said, I'm going to bring you out of sin. I'm going to put your foot on a rock to stay. I can give you Jesus. Hallelujah. I can preach Jesus who walked into Wayne Davis's life one night and then changed his life and transformed him. That's the Jesus we can talk about. That's the Jesus. Just simply Jesus. Just simply Jesus. But there's nothing simple about him. Amen. There's nothing simple about him. Oh, I give you Jesus. That's the gospel that we ought to be preaching. When we stand in a pulpit, no matter who our audience may be, when we stand, rather not just in a pulpit, but when we stand to declare the gospel, we should, no matter who our audience may be, they may be unlearned, they may be educated, they may be rich, they may be poor. It doesn't matter what side of the social or economic line they fall on, we ought to just preach Jesus, just simply Jesus. We stand in a nursing home, we preach Jesus. We stand in a jail cell, we preach Jesus. We stand in prisons and we preach Jesus. Amen. Yesterday, amen, or rather just in the, in the past few weeks, several of us have stood in hospital rooms. Amen. Thank God for such a positive report for young Jake. Amen. Was supposed to be a few weeks in, in uh, rehab, but he's coming home tomorrow. Come home today. Came home today. Amen. You know why? Simply Jesus. Simply Jesus. I thank God for every educated man, every educated woman that worked on him, worked with him, worked with his family. Amen. And we give credit where credit is due. But I'm going to tell you that the grace of God went where a surgeon's hand couldn't go. And the grace of God will go where a nurse's understanding and intellect and training cannot reach. 
And so I say, Lord, whether I'm standing in a church house or if I'm standing in a jailhouse, I gotta preach you because you can go where I can't. Amen, you can, I can only go so far with a hardened heart, but you can go all the way to their soul. I can only speak so long and so much into a mind that's been closed off, but I'm just gonna say, Lord, you can get to them in their dreams. You can touch them in their night. Amen, you can touch them in their sleep. You can stir them on their job. Hallelujah. He will go. If we'll just preach simply Jesus, he'll go where we can't. He'll go where we can't. Amen. When we preach the gospel, we all need to be reminded that we were just sinners because here's something that troubles me. There's a lot of people in church today that don't really praise him and worship him because they don't really think they were all that bad. I mean, you take somebody like Brother Yader. Amen. I'm not just trying to, I'll, maybe the last time I use his name here tonight, but I'm just saying, somebody had been in the depths of sins, we think, oh man, they ought to really be praising the God. I mean, they got a lot to thank the Lord for. We all stand on even ground when we stand at the foot of the cross because lost is lost. If you miss a plane, if you miss a plane, I've traveled enough to know this, if you miss a plane, it doesn't matter if you're an hour late or a minute. You, you're just there. You're just so lost is lost. And there's some people that don't think we owe quite as much so we don't have to dig quite as deep. And I just come against that in the name of the Lord. Amen. We need to understand that if it hadn't been for grace that intercepted my life, there is absolutely no telling where I would be right now. Amen. If it hadn't been for grace that... I don't know what hell had cooked up for me. I don't know what hell had concocted for you. But I want to tell you what grace, when hell tossed it our way, grace reached up and intercepted it. And grace said, no, no, no. No, no, no. Amen. So I need to understand that I was condemned to a devil's hell, but somebody preached simply Jesus. I was on my way to a devil's hell, but somebody. It was a Sunday school teacher. Hallelujah. It was a Sunday school teacher that first perhaps touched some of us. They touched us with the simplicity of the gospel. But something got in our heart. Simply Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, I want to always remember that he came into this world born of a woman. That he offered his body as an atonement from our sin. He who knew no sin became sin. Amen. Simply Jesus. And through this he gave us access to the power of his spirit dwelling in us. Oh, we just can't even imagine. Honestly, I can't imagine. This is not a statement of condemnation. I can't imagine what it would be like not to come in, be able to come into the house of God. Except for the snapshot of COVID, of course. But, but we before then could not imagine what it was like not to be able to have the free will and the liberty. David understood. He understood because for 10 generations, they had not been allowed to go in. And that's why when you read the closing verses of Ruth, 
Amen. That's when you begin to read the lineage of David and you realize that now they are able to go in. That's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me. He wasn't talking about, I was glad when they said unto me, it's Wednesday and we're going to be able to allow to go back to church. Or I was glad when they said unto me that Sunday's coming and we're going to be able to come and we're going to bring our dinner and we're going to have a big feast after church. No, David was not even able to go into the house of the Lord and they were relegated to stand outside the house. I don't know how this played out but just in my mind I just put myself in their position not to be able to come in but just to be able to stand and try to hear through the walls what the spirit of the Lord or the word of God was doing trying to stop somebody as they walked out how was it? how did it go? amen David said I was glad when they said unto me let us go into I can go inside I don't have to sit in my car I don't have to listen to this through some FM transmitter I don't have to listen to this on the outside look in. I don't have to sit longingly, but I can come into the presence of the house of God. And I can come into the presence of God himself. Amen. I'm glad that somebody's going to preach to me Jesus born a virgin. I'm glad somebody's going to preach to me about Jesus the gospel of grace. I'm glad somebody's going to mention him dying for my sins. I'm glad they're going to talk about him being raised from the dead. I want somebody to tell me he's my mediator. I want somebody to tell me he's my counselor. I want somebody to tell me he's my advocate. I want to be reminded of just simply Jesus. Just simply Jesus. Oh my, my, my. I don't want to fold my arms and say, well, no thanks. I've already heard. Say it again. Just tell me again. Just tell me again. Some of us have lived long enough Let's be honest with me here. Some of us have lived long enough. We've all had family members that some of them repeated their stories. And we, you know, we'd hear aunt so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, or our mom, or our dad repeating some of those stories. And, and we think, well, we've already heard this. And we just sit kindly through them again. But when their voice was silenced by death, how much would you give to hear it one more time? Philip, that great evangelist, preached unto him Jesus. And that's why we must place. Oh my goodness, I've got to hurry. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's why we got that's why we got to place all of our trust and our confidence in the Lord. I don't want to put my trust in people. Amen. I, I'm not saying that to, to discredit people in, in general, but I don't want to put all my trust there. I want to trust people, but I don't want to put all my confidence there. If you stop living for the Lord tomorrow, that's going to grieve me. But I don't want that to determine where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. Amen. I, I don't want to put my work, trust in my own works of righteousness. Isaiah 64 said that all of our righteousness would just be filthy rags in the sight of God. So I've got to put my trust in God. Amen. The Lord has a plan for us to be saved. And that's not hidden from the masses and only revealed to a chosen few. The Lord has a plan of salvation that's open to whosoever will. Amen. So how do we do this on the day of Pentecost after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the upper room? According to Acts 2, some were amazed. Some were doubting. Some were confused. And in the atmosphere, <clears throat> and in the atmosphere of all of these mixed emotions, Simon Peter stands up, not alone, that's so important to understand, not alone. He stood up with the other 11 apostles and he began to expound about 
on, expound on what had just happened. And so from verse 14 to verse 36, he declares and explains, he unpackages what they're experiencing. So Simon Peter, not out here on his own, I think it is imperative that we understand, he stood up with the eleven. Amen. He began to make references to the Old Testament words of the prophets. And so he was threading. I mean, just I just picture him with a gigantic needle and thread. Amen. He's just sewing. He's sewing all this together. He runs a thread through this current moment. And then he takes a thread into the Old Testament prophets. And he weaves it back into where we are today. And he goes back into the Old Testament. And then he weaves it back over here. Amen. He's doing something about the anxiety in the room. He's doing something about the doubt in the room. He's doing something about the confusion in the room. And so when he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. You hear me tonight. Amen. There were some in that crowd that understood what he was talking about. It was an aha moment for them. Amen. This wasn't a man making vague references to a day of yesterday, to a time of yesterday. But when he said this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, there were some that heard it ringing in their ears on your sons and your daughters. Amen. They heard it. They understood it. Hallelujah. And then in Acts number 2 and 27 or 37 the Bible says when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and here it is again and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do and without hesitation hallelujah without hesitation I don't picture Simon Peter looking around shrugging his shoulders and saying boys what do you think I ought to tell them what do you think I ought to say right here but when that man that had the courage to put a voice to the question that was in everybody mind. What shall we do? He said you need to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? That's the power of simply Jesus. Hallelujah. But it's not simply Jesus on the cross. It's not simply Jesus on a crucifix around our neck. It's not simply Jesus on a picture hanging in the den. But it's simply Jesus dwelling in the heart it's not going to my word is not going to be written on the tables of stone but I'm going to ride it on the fleshly tables of the heart hallelujah I'm just going to preach simply Jesus simply Jesus and so when the Ethiopian eunuch read the passage of scripture all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all what we know is Isaiah 53 and 6 Philip taught him that's Jesus Simply Jesus. This is Jesus bearing the iniquity of our sins on Calvary's cross. Who is this laid on him the iniquity? That's Jesus. By his stripes we are healed. Simply Jesus. Acts 8 and 35. Within our own strength we have nothing to offer this world. All of our human efforts will fall woefully short of anything of eternal value. But I just want to tell you that that what I'm preaching about tonight is founded in the Word of God. And so the great plan of salvation, if I, if I could just put it this way, I want to go to Isaiah 45, 22. You can find it on the screen. Isaiah 45, 22, this great plan of salvation, if I can just say it like this, is leaning on the Lord. 
Amen. Isaiah 45 and 22 says, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Amen. And so this great plan of salvation is leaning on the Lord. He said, Just look unto me. That's a bold statement. Amen. And be ye saved. Amen. I am God and beside me there is none else. This great plan of salvation is not just leaning on the Lord but this great plan of salvation is looking to the Lord. Acts 4 and 12 says neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's a lot of good men in this house tonight and there's a lot of good men in the kingdom of God tonight and I love them and I appreciate them and I'm honored to call them friend but you can't be saved in their name. You can't be changed in their name. You can't be healed in their name but I'm going to tell you tonight if you'll just reach out if you've got no other choice if time won't afford you to say anything else if I've just got a one word prayer it's going to be Jesus if I've only got time to pray one word it's going to be Jesus just simply Jesus just simply Jesus praise God my Lord, my Lord. The Ethiopian eunuch focused on Isaiah 53, 7 and 8, which describes the Lord as this willing sacrifice. And so as Philip explained these verses to him, he began to understand the gospel. And this is important. If I didn't feel the next few things were important, we would just stop where we are tonight. But I feel it's important that we press on just a little further. Amen? You got really quiet right there. You going to go with me? I know you're not going to get up and leave. You're too kind for that, but just don't disconnect in your heart either. Amen. But the Bible says he began to understand, the Bible begins to reveal that he understood. He began to understand. See, there's a difference between hearing it and understanding it. This was made possible because God was opening his mind to the truth of his word. Because it's not enough to just desire salvation. You need to desire to understand the plan of salvation. You need to understand God's word. And so I want to just, you don't have to go there with me, but I want to take us to Matthew 13. And if we look at Matthew 13, the first few verses shares with us what we know is the parable of the sower. And so the Bible talks about the ground, the stony ground and on and on and on. The, the different types of soil that this seed would fall on. But if you continue to read in that same book, that same chapter, and you get down to verse 18, it's as though it's repeating itself. And it is repeating itself, but it's repeating itself with commentary. And so the first time we read about the parable of the sower, it's just thrown out there. But then when you get down to verse, around verse 18 or so, we begin to see this explained again, but in a little more detail. And so we see this additional commentary. We get down to verse number 23, and here's the crux of the matter. Matthew 13, 23. The Bible says, But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some 100, some 60, some 30. And so here is 
the heart of it is that we need the Spirit of the Lord not to just blow upon our emotions. I'm thankful for good, lively church. Oh, I, I just can't hardly bear these, you know, those other ones. Amen. But we don't need to just be moving to be moving. We don't need just noise. Praise the Lord. Because what we need is good ground. We need the Spirit of the Lord to go before us. I would be foolish. Any person would be foolish to come to this desk to preach that hasn't prayed. And ask the Lord to go before us. Amen. It doesn't matter how eloquent you speak or how much personality you may have. I mean, I know people that have the gift of just being able to speak and just in a moment, just in a few minutes, they can have an audience in the palm of their hand when they're preaching. But you know what? They could also have an audience in the palm of their hand if they were talking about laundry detergent. Because that's just a gift. And so we're going to be talking about something that has eternal value and eternal weight. Dear Lord, prepare the hearts. I prayed for you this evening. Amen. I laid hands on the very seat you're sitting in tonight. I laid hands on those pews. I said, I don't know who's coming in this house. I don't know where they're going to sit. I don't know what's in their heart. I don't know what happened in their life today. But, oh, Lord, I'm praying for the Spirit to do something in their heart so we can have an understanding so that this seed. You know why? Because if we have an understanding, we'll bring forth fruit. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the Ethiopian... Man, this man believed. He believed. His experience was, he didn't believe because there was a 75 voice choir. He didn't believe because of the key the song was being played in or the beat of the drum. He believed because his heart had been prepared and, and God had sent a man to preach simply Jesus. And his experience was so real, so real that he insisted on stopping this caravan when he saw water and said, here's water, what does hinder? And we need to be I need to be baptized now, right now. So how did he know he was supposed to be baptized? How did he know that, that believers were supposed to be baptized? Well, you know, we don't, the Bible's sort of silent on this. Maybe Philip included this in his witness. Maybe, maybe that happened. But we also know that all it's entirely possible that he saw other believers that were being baptized while he was in Jerusalem because all throughout the book of Acts, baptism is seen as an essential part of our commitment to God. They went down into the water. Amen. That talks about immersion. And we understand that. The book of, of Acts. Baptism is an essential part. Baptism isn't just something for the believer. But I believe it's a sign. to be to, to, that, is, that exposes other people to that. It builds faith in other people. Amen. So remember the Ethiopian in our text was not just an ordinary man. And I am trying to hasten to a close. I can even see those two words in my notes. In closing. <laughs> Ask our musicians to come. I was wondering for a while there if I wrote it down. I'm sure if I was wondering, you had to be wondering yourself. But remember, the Ethiopian in our text was not just an ordinary man. He was not an everyday man. He was the queen's treasurer. So when he spoke to Philip about being baptized, he wasn't alone. 
And I think it's important for us to understand that this was not just the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. But this was a caravan and this was a man of influence. So even if hypothetically when we want to say it was just these two, this was still a man of influence who was going to share his experience. He was an important man. And I believe that those around him were paying attention. This was a man to be pitied. But not by this world's goods. Because he was a man of influence. We can pity him for not being able to have a family. And we can pity him for, for up to this moment not having known the Lord. But this was a man of influence. And so after, after the baptism. And again, you know, this is somewhat. We don't really understand all that the scripture is talking about here. But Philip was called away to minister somewhere else. And... Um, and I won't have any falling out with you if you think you know how that happened. Amen. But the Bible says that when Philip left, whether that was that he just walked away or the Spirit carried him away, the Bible says that of this man who had this experience, this Ethiopian man, he went on his way rejoicing. Right, right. Amen. I believe they went up a key in the song they were singing. I believe they lifted their voices a little higher, a little louder. Now it's, it's uh, amazing to me in some way, I'm not sure that's the right word, but perplexing perhaps even to a degree that, that God allowed Philip to be trans, transitioned from this revival in Samaria to this dry desert place, this wonderful experience, and then the Lord calls him away. And never gives him the opportunity to disciple this man. But I have confidence that God, and it's scripture, that God doesn't start something that he doesn't finish. And so I just wanted to insert that tonight in this message because I want to tell you that sometimes we may share something with people that we never have the privilege and the opportunity to invest more into them or even to see whatever even come of that. And I'm going to tell you that's going to be part of what's going to make heaven heaven. That person you invited, that person that you saw on vacation, that person that you in, that just invested a few minutes, just a few moments. But I'm going to say that the gospel message will work. But the power of the gospel, and I'll ask you to stand, the power of the gospel... I don't want you to disconnect from me now, but the power of the gospel sometimes is relegated to the presentation of the gospel. Amen? A few days ago, we were pressed for time, and we don't really like to do the drive through things much, but sometimes just that's just how life goes. And so... We got in this line, and it was one of those lines with curbs, and then once we got in, we couldn't get out. And I have no idea what was going on inside, but we waited, and we waited, and we waited. All we wanted was just a little sandwich. Then so we finally get it, and finally get our sandwich, and we drive out. And it just looked like somebody, looked like the car in front of us had run over it. And I just wanted to just pull up to a trash can and just throw it away. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't going to take it back in. I wasn't going to do any of that. But just, but it was all there. Everything I ordered was there. 
but it was pitifully presented. I, I know they were in a hurry, but it should have crossed somebody's mind. <laughs> this is somebody's meal. And I just feel like sometimes the power of the gospel is sometimes lost. The impact is sometimes lost because of the presentation. So we have this tremendous tool that will transform the lives of people. So we need to be careful how we use it. A knife in the hand of a surgeon can save a life. A knife in the hand of a villain can take a life. Be careful with this sharp two-edged sword. And so I believe it deserves a best foot forward. I read a story some time ago about a, told to be the truth, but a lady who read, she had a, a rather large dog, and she read that her dog would be healthier if every day she would give that dog a tablespoonful of cod liver oil. And so... She took that to heart, maybe because it was on the internet. I don't know. So she followed this same routine for several days. She would chase her dog until she could catch it, wrestle it down in the floor, somehow pry his jaws open and force this supposed fishy remedy down his throat. So one day in the middle of this grueling medical treatment, she accidentally kicked over the, the full container of the cod liver oil. She felt so defeated. So she let go of the dog and she went in another part of the house to go get some rags to come back and clean up the mess. And to her surprise, the dog was sitting there licking up the cod liver oil. <laughs> you see, the truth of the matter is, is the dog didn't mind the oil. It was just the method of application he had a problem with. And so sometimes we just want to launch because we have something we know will work and we're right. And our heart may be in the right place. But we don't need to pry people's jaws open and try to cram something down. We, we might just need to lay it out. And if we lay it out right, the Lord might just draw them. Amen. I, I just say we want to preach simply Jesus the power of His love and redemption. Let's magnify Him together. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.